Welcome to HR in 15, a podcast dedicated to addressing the complexities of modern HR in just 15 minutes. Brought to you by Prestige PEO, simplifying HR. Back then better than ever. This is HR in 15, and I am your host, Eric Foodham, Chief Operating Officer here at Prestige PEO. Today, we are joined once again by Malcolm Slee, Principal at Groom Law Group, based in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. In this episode, we're going to focus on the Federal Paycheck Protection Program, also known as Triple P, PPP. Uh, Malcolm is going to provide his expertise as he's been spending countless hours studying the actual process for gaining access to loans for small to medium-sized businesses, as well as the loan forgiveness process as well. It is complex, it is intense, and uh, I think we're we're very honored to have Malcolm with us today. Malcolm, how you doing? I'm doing well, Eric. Good to talk to you again. It's great to talk to you again. And let me ask you, um, has this forgiveness process and this whole entire payroll protection program, has it been easy? Has it been getting easier to understand? I, I would say it's maybe getting a little bit easier to understand just as we get more familiar with it. You know, again, this was the, like a, pretty much everything related to COVID-19, you know, something that was totally brand new, uh, something none of us even, you know, knew was going to exist on March 1st. Um, and here we are like three months later and it's kind of taken over our lives. It's been a process, but we're all kind of working through the rules together. So I think we understand it a lot better uh, now than we did, say, a month or two ago. I, we are going to get right into it because I know we've been receiving a lot of questions from our clients regarding PPP. Malcolm, I'm sure you've been receiving a lot of questions from your, your clients that are involved in the Triple P. So before we even get started, though, what is the date all loan forgiveness applications need to get submitted by? So all loan forgiveness applications need to get submitted by, well, loan forgiveness applications, you actually have some time. If you're going to actually apply for a PPP loan and you, you haven't done so yet, you need to get your PPP loan in by June 30th. Loan forgiveness applications, you know, there's really no urgency to get those in. I mean, again, you know, you're going to have the money. It's just a matter of, you know, getting the approval from SBA and your lender that you don't have to pay the money back. So there isn't really like a firm deadline with regard to when you have to get your loan forgiveness application in. So in essence, you, you might have till the end of the year if you want to wait that long. Is, is that, is that exactly. fair? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think there are going to be business out, businesses out there that want to get it resolved because obviously they, they want to know for accounting purposes. They just don't want to have it hanging over their heads. I think most businesses want to get forgiveness approved as quickly as possible, but there is not a, you know, rush to do it as opposed to when the PPP loan uh, program kicked in, everybody was, you know, very concerned about applying for their loans before uh, the money all ran out. We don't really have that same dynamic with regard to requesting uh, forgiveness from the loan. So for listeners, the end of the year is, is not necessarily the end date, correct? For applying for forgiveness. That is correct. That's yes. I'm sorry. Okay. And then if you are still in the process of applying for a loan, then as you stated before, Malcolm, June 30th would be that date. Exactly. Thank you. That, that has been a very popular question 
from our client base. So yeah, and you're absolutely spot on where you have clients that do want to, or groups that want to get their reports and get their data so they can get the forgiveness process over and then others that are just waiting it out a little bit. So yeah, we're seeing both sides of it. One very popular question that's been coming about is, can you explain the difference between 60%, 40% versus 75%, 25%? What happened was, you know, originally when the PPP uh, program was enacted into law by Congress, there weren't really significant restrictions in terms of what you could use your loan proceeds on. The Department of Treasury and SBA came out with regulations when they were putting together the rules relating to the PPP, and they decided to come up with a rule that you had to spend at least 75% of your loan proceeds on payroll costs. The rationale behind that was that the, the entire purpose of this program was to protect employees' paychecks, to encourage businesses to keep workers on their payrolls as opposed to laying them off or furloughing them. So they didn't want borrowers to get these loans and then spend the money on other things. That, that rule that you spend at least 75% of your money on payroll costs, there are a lot of borrowers that I think were found that to be a little bit unfair given the difficulty that a lot of businesses have had you know, staying afloat in light of the pandemic. So when Congress passed the PPP Flexibility Act, which was sort of the congressional bill that upgraded the PPP program and it was passed into law at the beginning of June, they adjusted that rule so now you only have to spend 60% of your payroll co- your loan proceeds on payroll costs. Now, if you don't hit that 60% threshold, let's say you only spend 55% of your loan proceeds on payroll costs, it doesn't mean that you're completely disqualified from getting any loan forgiveness. It just means that the amount that you can get forgiven is going to be um, adjusted downwards so that effectively whatever the amount is that is, you know, considered to be forgivable, it has to account, at least 60% of that amount has to account for payroll costs. Right. So it's more liberal than that they've lowered the the amount that's allocated for payroll from 75 to 60%. It's more of an advantage for a small business. Exactly. Yes. This was a a pro borrower uh, to move from from 75 to 60%. What about the change in eight weeks versus 24 weeks. Why was that done and what's the major difference here? When they were looking at what um, amounts would be actually forgivable, you know, with regard to your loan proceeds, that was all going to be based on how you spent the money in the eight weeks after you got your loan. Uh, Everyone was sort of working out how this program was going on the fly. And it became clear to a, a lot of borrowers that it was going to be challenging for them to spend down their money on payroll costs within that eight-week period. Again, this is you know a great new provision in the PPP Flexibility Act, which was again came into law in early June. Um, they expanded that loan forgiveness covered period from eight weeks to 24 weeks. If you happen to get a loan before the Flexibility Act was enacted in the beginning of June. You can choose to still have an eight-week covered period if that's better for you, but now um, borrowers have the option of using a 24-week covered period, and again, that's a real favorable thing because it makes it should make it easier for borrowers to get full forgiveness. They have more time to spend down their loan proceeds on the payroll costs, which is what you want to do in order to qualify for full forgiveness. Yeah, it's a huge. It's a huge win for borrowers. Um, that is that, that's a big win. So so with the 60 percent, 40 percent. 
can you you can still use or it will be 60% 40% going forward and you can still use that in the 8 week covered period correct if you got your loan before june 5th was which was when the law was enacted you can still use that 8 week covered period anybody getting a loan after that is is required to have a 24 week covered period um you know based on the new the new uh statute got it so that's a big distinction if you received your funds after June 5th, then you're required to use the uh, 24 week covered period. Yep. In terms of the loan term, I know there was a change there too, right? It, it was originally at five years, correct? Yes. Well, actually under the CARES Act, what the CARES Act said when it originally passed was that loans could be no more than 10 years. And then SBA and Treasury, again, you know, just came out with their own rule um, that all PPP loans would have a maturity period of two years. Congress you know, didn't like where SBA Treasury went with that. So in the Flexibility Act, they passed a rule saying that the loan maturity period for any PPP loan has to be a minimum of five years and can be a maximum of 10 years. So effectively, they overrode Treasury's original interpretation of the CARES Act. That's it's a longer period to pay, uh, to pay these funds back as well. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a nice win. And going back to forgiveness, Malcolm, when does the uh, forgiveness period start? In terms of um, measuring the amounts that are el you know, potentially eligible for loan forgiveness, it really starts on the date that the, that the loan was actually dispersed. So they're going to be looking at really any costs that are paid by the business in the eight or 24 week period after you get your loan. Certain circumstances, you may also be able to claim amounts that were incurred during that period, but we're actually paid a little bit after the period expires. Got it. Okay. So one thing that's been very common in terms of questions that we're hearing are the pay cycle. So what happens if you're on like a biweekly or weekly pay cycle? Yeah. So they came out with a rule and this is actually, you know, something that was really favorable when they came out with the original loan forgiveness application recognizing that businesses payroll cycles didn't necessarily match up when they got their loans if you have a payroll period that's bi-weekly or more frequent you can use what's called a alternative payroll covered period where you're effectively measuring your payroll costs based on the first payroll cycle that starts after you get your loan so it'll make things much much easier for borrowers in terms of measuring what their payroll costs were after they got their loan because they can tie it to their actual payroll cycles as opposed to the date that the loan was dispersed. And then what happens if you're more or less frequent pay cycle, like a semi-monthly or a month? Then you would be locked into using a, measuring your, your covered period for loan forgiveness would be based on when you actually got your loan. Okay, that makes more sense. We're switching over to the extension of the FTE reduction and the salary hourly wage reduction safe harbor. Sure, our listeners think about when we talk about those safe harbors. Yeah, so the entire concept behind the safe harbors was, again, this was part of the CARES Act. Congress wrote into the law that you were going to potentially have to take a penalty with regard to the amounts that could otherwise be forgiven under the PPP. If you reduced your workforce or if you cut people's salaries or wages during the period when you got the loan, again, you know, the entire point of this program was to incentivize employers to maintain workforces and, and keep paying their employees. You know, th that was Congress's way of making sure that employers stuck to those rules. There's a recognition that 
with the pandemic, everything, you know, kind of changed overnight in mid-March. A lot of businesses started laying people off or furloughing people or cutting salaries before the PPP even came into existence. You know, the CARES Act didn't pass until the end of March. In recognition of that, uh, Congress came up with this rule where you could effectively bail yourself out with regard to the penalties you might otherwise have to take if you were able to bring back your full-time employee workforce and restore salaries. Congress originally in the CARES Act said, though, that you had to do those things by the end of June in, in terms of bringing back your employees, restoring salaries. Now, under the uh, Flexibility Act that passed, you have until the end of the 2020 calendar year to do those things. So, again, real favorable for borrowers. I think a lot of borrowers were nervous that they weren't going to get back to full employment or full salaries and wages by the end of June, given sort of where we are right now. So having till the end of the year should be a, a real good thing for borrowers. So a lot of these safe harbors for small to medium-sized businesses would depend on kind of reopening of our economy. You know, certain businesses as they reopen will have the opportunity to, you know, rehire or restore wages or, or employees back on the books, I would think. Exactly. Great. What about in terms of wages for the forgiveness calculation? Can we include a bonus or commission in those wages? You should be able to, yeah. I mean, this is one area where I think SBA and Treasury would be helpful if they gave more guidance, because I think folks have a lot of questions regarding sort of the timing of payment. You know that you can claim as payroll costs anything that you're paying to employees within the eight or 24 week period after you get the loan. This is a question that's come up a lot, which is if I ordinarily give my employees a big bonus, for example, at the end of the year, can I accelerate it, you know, jam it into that eight or 24 week period, claim it as a payroll cost, and then, you know, it, it helps me, it helps increase the amounts that I could potentially claim for forgiveness. We think generally, you know, you should be allowed to do that. I mean, you don't want to be, I think, doing anything that could be construed as abusive of the rules, you know, if it's something you wouldn't ordinarily be paying in the ordinary course, um, it might get scrutinized a little bit more. If it's sort of standard comp includes these bonuses or commissions, then by all means, I think you can include them. Right. That, that would be logical and my understanding as well. Uh, Malcolm, thank you for joining us today. Um, you provided, as usual, a thorough overview of the PPP. Um, I can say that we are going to spend our next, next episode um, talking about the Paycheck Protection Program, because I think there's a lot here, and uh, we probably just started, you know, kind of at the edge of it. And thank you to our listeners for, again, tuning in to another wonderful episode of HRN15. For questions or more information on today's topic, visit PrestigePEO.com. 